You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. The following podcast may contain explicit material. You have been warned. Flying towards a setting sun in a Honda Accord of gold. The AC stringing against the funk cause our socks and drawers are old. On the 105 for an afternoon drive, whizzing by the freeway flora. In the passenger seat is my best friend Pete, a fat man in a fedora. Breaker 1-9, this is Drekdar the Dark. I was momentarily detained in the hotel entrance, fat beard. The valet was trying to charge me an exorbitant fee. It appears we have ourselves a game con. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene it can wait. We got ourselves a game con, our games after fun. And we'll be praying all the night. Till the morning sun This is the official Happy Jacks RPG podcast live recording from Strategicon 2016. Yay! And that was our very tiny live studio audience because they're we're all almost, three feet tall. Yeah, very small. Hey, Chris is about three foot tall. That's true. We, a, a, we represent the Oregon <laughs> Canadians. Well, we actually audience. weren't supposed to have a podcast because the the Bog Father Stu is not here this con. Um, because Fair got pushed back. So everybody who's involved at Fair, who's a, a Happy Jacks member, which is a lot of us, aren't here. Uh, everybody but two people. Except like two people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we weren't going to have it until we, uh, Stu decided to take me on his apprentice and had, see if I could set it up. So hopefully, if you're hearing this, I did it right. Why if you're not, then the you're not hearing me anyway. Apprentice. Is apprentice, yes. Yeah. Apprentice, get it? I'm setting it up. It's actually just a Veronica Mars t-shirt. It's fine. All right. <laughs> Great radio. Yeah. Great radio. Great radio. Explaining. So this is, this is officially season 17, episode one. Yes. Yeah. Say. Season 17. Yeah. <laughs> I hope. If not, if you're hearing this, it's season 17, episode one. If, if you're, you're not, hearing this, I set everything up right. And if you're not, you're not. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a whole new era. Always. Yes. Absolutely. Post 300. Oh, yeah. So, which so was a this great is episode. After the Spartans and they're scantily clad. <laughs> and, and never oh. Anything at all. oh, they're very scantily clad, the Spartans, aren't they? <laughs> I'm sorry. Hey, Back- stop it! <laughs> Back to the gaming. <laughs> so, let's see. We have our panel today. Let's see. I am Kimmy, and I actually was not running games because I'm in charge of setting up lots of technical equipment. Um, but I'm hosting. <laughs> And we have next. Oh, it's Dave seventy seven. Hi, everyone. Both of you. No, it's fine. There are thousands of people here today. I'm, but they're very, very quiet. They're quiet. very solemn, very and polite, and yeah. studious. Yeah, they're waiting to waiting to hear with bated breath everything you say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, oh, and I oh, ran. Uh, I've run two games, and I run an, another game tomorrow. Matter of fact. Nice. Yes. And I pass it. I pass the mic. And this is Jib. And uh, we can talk about my games in a minute. And this is Kurt, and uh, I haven't run anything yet, but I'm running tomorrow. Nice. I, I'm running a game tomorrow. I don't yes. run if chased. So. <laughs> yeah. Stand and fight, you bastard! And I'm very seldom chased. Right. So. And we do have some more people in the audience. We have that, some people that who are... so lonely. I don't know why. <laughs> 
a sad existence for me. I am married. <laughs> we do have some people dropping by later. They're involved in games right now, or they're in LARPs and things like that, so they are going to try and drop by later on, so we might have some additional hosts showing up. And then we have our amazing live studio audience! <laughs> who are small but mighty. They're amazing. Yes. <laughs> they're all three they foot fierce. two. They are fierce. So we're going to start uh, talking about word. Dave's game. No, so, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Game no, first. you're... you're Jib, jib, okay, fine. Jib. Okay. okay. Um, Wait, which one went first, first chronologically? Friday. Okay, then Jib, go. Okay, uh, so I am running three sessions of a game called Bad Streets, yeah. which is a awesome. Powered by the Apocalypse game um, hack that I am creating, and it is based on gritty street-level crime dramas from the 70s and 80s. So if you think in terms of, like, um, uh, Starsky and Hutch and... Toma and Beretta and Policewoman and Mod Squad, you have the exact right idea of what we're after here. Mr. Jim, Mr. Jim, what's Apocalypse World Games Live? <laughs> wait, wait, you have to say that into the mic. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> Talk into the mic. Okay. Uh, my name's Larry, I'm from Fontana. And uh, I, really? wanna, I thought so, we were Bobcat Goldthwait. No, no. All right, so I, I, I came here, a long time listener, first, first time like visitor here. <laughs> I came here mostly for the, for the diplomacy tournament. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what exactly is Apocalypse World? I've really been wondering about uh, that. Uh, Apocalypse World is a game system created by Vincent Baker, and uh, there are many, many uh, hacks and derivative game systems from it, including uh, Spirit of 77 and uh, a wonderful game yeah. called uh, <laughs> Sprawl. And uh, many other wonderful games. Um, it is an open narrative game that focuses on character development and story rather than on mechanics. So when when you I, I'm sorry, it's Lawrence again. So when when you're actually doing a story game and you're actually basing it off of like the the narrative as opposed to like the mechanics, can you explain that a little more? Because that's not how we do it in diplomacy. <laughs> <laughs> well. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> in, in narrative games, uh, the story and the character development drive the gameplay rather than um, being bound to a, a mechanical construct to drive a mathematical model. That was really technical. <laughs> yes, it was. So you, you My asked God. a game designer and you wanted something different? <laughs> Then, like, then how do you know when you've actually been successful in, in your moves? Did the players have fun? Uh, we, I played diplomacy. I don't play for fun. <laughs> you don't play for fun, no, not in diplomacy. Um, <laughs> if everyone's having a good time, then you're doing it right. So this is new to me. <laughs> I can see that. I, I've, I've played diplomacy. Uh, you're right. It is new to anyone who's played diplomacy. <laughs> Diplomacy is a game that you play with people that you either are really, really good friends with or who you will never, ever see people again. People you don't want to be friends with anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nice. Um, Diplomacy ends relationships. Uh, Diplomacy ends It's lives. like the monopoly of war, bo- uh, boor, war games. War really games. Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> Shut up! I'm sorry! <laughs> I'm sorry, you were talking about story games. where we haven't been drinking. So, I know, I would like to point out that this is a dry Happy Jacks RPG podcast. <laughs> well, as, as far as, as they know. In as much as we do not have any booze here on the table in with us. In front of us. <laughs> but airplane glue is A-OK. I was going to say that all of us weren't down at the bar earlier. Like, 
20 minutes ago, like, like heavily, su- preparing. Uh, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> yes. Well, I had to set up, so I, yeah, I, I, I was right. slow. Yeah. I, I admit, I was slow <laughs> getting up here. Yeah, the Canadians are going to hate this podcast, from, too. I can from. feel it already. <laughs> one star, hey? <laughs> they so that's okay. We've gotten one star reviews before. We've lived through it. I know. Uh, <sighs> the games that derive from the, the newer story games like Apocalypse World focus more on what's happening in the story and um, character development. And I'm actually going to hand this off to my, my buddy Dave here, who, who um, might be able to speak to this better than I can. Hi, Lawrence. Nice to meet you. Uh, so Hi. one of the things about story games... No, you can sit down, man. So one element of allowed. story games is that it actually bypasses a lot of the conflict that is really based off of what, uh, for the sake of conflict. For instance, one of the basic tenets is that if you can do something and it's not contested, then you do it. And that's actually kind of a diversity. You can just do stuff. (sighs) Lawrence, would you have your buddy sit down, please, Mark? What's your name, buddy? Uh, Mine's Bob. Bob, uh, hi, I, Bob. I play, I'm here for the diplomacy tournament too. Here, guys, here, 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 I'll help you sit down here. Please. All right. <laughs> so, so here, so. Ow! <laughs> keep, keep going, David. So, thank, thank, thank you, Kimberly. So, one of the elements of story games is again that they don't believe in unnecessary uh, dice resolution because it really isn't integral to the story itself. In, Obviously, players are more involved in the plot as opposed to the mechanics because that's really what drives games, and that's what people remember in long term as opposed to whether or not their dice roll, except for you, so, about whether so, or not their dice so, rolls are useful. So if, yeah. if, if, if a dice roll is not narratively important to the game, you don't even do it? Well, nice, well dice rolls are imp- uh, important because they do resolve questions that need an impartial adjudicator. However, it's not what that's really drives word. the focus of the action that takes place. And that's what's important about story games. That's absolutely true. I think that's absolutely what's important I, about story I games. I agree. I agree completely. That's right. We're being a little silly up here. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Hi, Kurt. The audience is being very silly. But. Kurt, Kurt, what do you want to have to say? Uh, well, I, I played in uh, Jib's uh, Bad Streets game today. Uh, not the one on Friday. I was busy with other stuff, but um, uh, and also I couldn't get into it because his his games fill up really quickly. Um, but uh, it was it was a hell of a lot of fun. Um, I I I kind of um, had a little bit of problem because I, I assigned myself. And this was entirely my fault. I assigned myself a character who was very much off of type for me, awesome. and I was I was trying to to be trying to reach out with my own role playing abilities and found out that they weren't there. Okay, no, but, no. Well, just a second on this. So, what do you consider to be your normal type of what you play? Um, I either play the guy who uh, beats things into submission. Okay. Or I'm, as Kimmy so aptly pointed out, the really talky guy. Okay. okay. Um, so let me ask a question. Speaking of the really talky guy. <laughs> <laughs> or you're an awesome dragon brother. You can be that too. Thank you. So um, was the information that was given to you, did it inform what you, what you felt like you should do as the character? Or did it, did it leave gaps that you felt like you couldn't fill? Um. It, inv- it gave me certain information. The, the information that was on the, the, the playbooks gave me certain information that, that fed pr- 
preconceptions that I had. Okay. And as soon as I... So, I, I, I'm not trying to... When you say preconceptions, preconceptions, like what? Okay, I am less versed in the, the realm of um, uh, uh, the gritty street-level... Uh, police dramas of sure. the 70s and 80s primarily because of when I was born. I don't know the 70s Right, exactly. Um, to be fair, I'm not the youngest person on a microphone here, so. Uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I grew up more on police procedurals rather than the, the gritty street stuff. Sure. And um, one of the, 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 the playbook characters that Jib had prepared was The Tormented. Right. And I, I had a preconception of an idea in my head based off of that that just, just popped into my head immediately. What was it? That uh, this guy was a former undercover officer, okay. former narcotics undercover officer. Uh, he's now working homicide because he got pulled out of being an undercover, being a UC narc, because uh, he went too deep and became addicted. Okay. And when and but he had done so well that they said, "Okay, you're not fired. We're going to get you the help you need, but you can't do narc anymore." And that's out of your That was entirely out of my own brain. And and that's cool. Uh, my my question is, so that's out of your normal wheelhouse of what you normally play? It is outside of my normal I don't normally I play when I play the talky guy, yeah. I'm more the happy-go-lucky um making jokes every 5 minutes. Okay. I'm not an addict and I don't really do well at Playing um, these the, the 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 haunted, brooding, terrible okay. secret in the back of your mind that weighs on every decision you make, kind of character. I do, I tried, and I, I I personally didn't do too well. That's I, my I, my estimation of it. How come? Um, not enough practice. Okay, so so give me an example. Um, I. I fell back onto my usual uh, tropes of, of making jokes and uh, and speaking out of turn and, and things like that, which, in retrospect, I didn't think really was proper to the character. Okay. Okay. So but you reacted That's entirely like, my, so my own role-play experience. It had nothing to do with how the game was structured. The game was structured very well, and the characters were designed very well. I just didn't play it well. That's my own okay. estimation of my well, own play. There are two other players here who played in the game, and I'd like to hear from them. Come on up. Now here, you can share my mic. My mic. Here we go. Don't spit on. Who are you, and what makes you famous? Uh, I'm Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. And uh, I'm actually one half of the Your Book Is Why Day Drinks Woo-hoo. podcast, along with Tyler King, Sweet. who's not here. Yes. Um, and I was playing in Jib's uh, Bad Streets game earlier. And it was my first. Uh, what did you play? What did you play? I was playing uh, the Crusader, which okay. is kind of like the, um, a little bit like the Tormented in that you have something in your past that drives your character. Um, and so mine was uh, that uh, Jib had explained that the city we were in basically had these clubs, which were basically kind of like criminal organizations that weren't, you know, of a slightly higher caliber than gangs. Sure. And, um, my character and his former partner, uh, who's now deceased, had been investigating one of the families, and they had both publicly and uh, not so publicly tried to warn us off. 
and we kept investigating them, and uh, the partner ended up dying. Now, this was before gameplay actually started, correct? Yes. And so my character was driven to try and prove that uh, they were responsible, because he believed that they were, um, and... uh, but try and do it a little bit more surreptitiously. So um, I was partnered with a player who is not here. And, okay. Uh, I had a blast. It was my first time playing with this system. So, so. when uh, that background that you just described, yes. uh, how much of it was in place before you actually started? Not None of it. Um, basically just ran with the idea that we were, you know, um, the gritty street cop drama, um, and that seemed to be, you know, something that a lot of... Uh, cop characters have had in the past, you know, partner who they cared for died, and so they're trying to you know, either continue on or either that or they're haunted by it. And just as an observer, what did you think of what Kurt did? Because he was going, stretching his boundaries. As um, I thought he did fine. I mean, like, the, um, you know, we all kind of came up with our character concepts on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, so... You know, not a lot of us had things like deeply invested in it, but I thought based off of what he had described, like I thought he did fine as you know with the background that you were working with. So I mean, you may not be happy with it, but yeah, I, it I certainly didn't that. detract from what my experience. With it, Kurt. I did. I, I, maybe I, I said to a, a different standard for my own self. But. <laughs> well, if you could change a part of it, what would you change? <laughs> this is uh, doubly ironic, considering uh, I, I would talk less. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, now, that doesn't mean you wouldn't act more or act less. I, sh- I should say, or take be less active in the game. But you're just saying not as verbally involved, or yeah, probably. Well, um, I think, um, or or I would have just taken it a completely different direction from the start, and um, sort of incorporated a different another playbook, which in a character that that wasn't played in at least in this game, which was the clown. And I would have, uh, I would have said, well, okay, he's got this haunted past, but he hide he hides his pain in in humor. And if I had gone that direction fully, then I think I probably would have been more satisfied with how how I played it. Yeah, I was I, I was going to say just from your description of it, and as someone who's dealt with uh, people who have addiction in their lives and things like that, a lot of times they, I mean, we kind of have that brooding caricature of them of like this is what addicts look like, this is what we see on reality. Jimmy, I'm right here. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, David. Um, Bill Roper, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but um, but I think I think Bill's that's not here. He just had a kid. Yeah, his baby was born yesterday. Yeah. But can we take a moment to say congratulations Aww. to Bill? Two Roper kid. <laughs> um, yeah, Bill and Elspeth make cute kids. They do. They make yeah, super, they, yeah. super beautiful baby. Super cute kids. Yeah. yeah. But um, getting back to addiction. <laughs> um, Fetal alcohol syndrome. No, no, no. Well said. Thanks. Super great segue there. But I think it's important also for us as RPG players to not get into that box of kind of the stereotype of, of things. And so I think that while you might judge yourself more harshly, I think maybe that's why other players at the table and maybe even the GM didn't necessarily think it was not well done. Because knowing uh, a variety of people who have suffered with, uh, struggled with a number of addictions. Like, a lot of times there are, they are the funniest person in the room, or they're the person that you would never guess because they've worked so hard to hide it for so long. Things like that. Yeah, it... Well, it, I, it don't, I don't want to make, make, like, throw a, a downer on the podcast, but <laughs> name the top three greatest comedians of all time. Exactly. <sighs> Robin Williams. Russell Marks. Yep. Robin Williams. Robin Williams and... Uh, Bill Hicks. Uh, uh, Jack Benny. Lenny yeah, Bruce. I, I'm, you know, 
It, it, it's the it's the sad clown kind of thing. And I Dwight Eisenhower. The, the, playbook, <laughs> the way the playbook was conceived, um, it actually allows for that as yeah. a variant. And I thought you did it very well. well now it, there's one other. There's another player in the room who played in the game, and I would like to hear from her. Yeah, y- you in the back. Well, well, yeah, you. you while, while while she's getting up to the mic. Yeah, while, while she's getting up to the mic, I will say that in the LARP that I've been playing in for the last nine years, I play a functional alcoholic. You LARP? Yeah, I'm a LARPer. I've just <laughs> lost all respect. Oh, please. <laughs> you had no respect for me to begin with. Speaking of addiction <laughs> and recovery from addiction. No, I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> all right, here. What's your name and why are you famous? <laughs> sorry. This is Chris, the tiny Viking. Um, Okay, so I was in Jib's game, and I believe my character type was the straight shooter? Is that what it was? Straight arrow. Straight arrow, sorry. My partner. Yes. Um, And uh, I chose to play it as somebody um, who is rebelling against his family, and I realized that many of the characters I play tend to not get along with their family, and that's not intentional. I just realized it's kind of a theme. (laughs) Um, And one thing, I mean, like, uh, as as Kurt just said, he and I were partners, and uh, we didn't really play too much on the conflict between our character types. I think we could have gone farther with that from both of us. The suggestions that he made, I thought my character would agree with, so I agreed with them, and I probably made suggestions that he agreed with, and we could have played off that difference um, in characters more. Um, But I thought it was a great game. I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm used to these um, apocalypse games now because I've played with the day before, but um, so the mechanic is really easy to pick up. What made you choose that the is, straight shooter good. playbook? It was a safe choice, frankly. Really? <laughs> no, 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 seriously. How so? Um, it's like rule follower. Okay, I can follow rules. I can do that. It doesn't. It doesn't. It didn't require me to stretch too much. How many people much? at this table who have played with Chris have found that to be so? <laughs> uh, I, I found that she is absolutely a rule follower. I think she's totally a rule follower, she and will cut people. you if you don't follow the rules with her. It's yeah, true. If you, if I get violent if you don't follow the rules follow the that rules. she sets forth. She will stab you. There well, are consequences to breaking the rules. You know, I promised I wasn't going to bring up the stabbing in this podcast, and I really didn't keep that promise. Well, at you all. know what? When you when you cast her as Lady Macbeth, kind of. <laughs> Stabbing okay, is you part, did that to yeah, yourself, well, David. And the stabbing is sort of part of the rules it of Lady Macbeth. <laughs> to be fair, the I, I will say that the paramedics of Culver City did respond in a very professional <laughs> manner. Um, I, I think she did get a little too into the brawl, and I'm, so. I'm really glad we were able to talk that one down to a misdemeanor. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying. I think I was done. Actually. Oh, thank you. Don't um, so I just want to say one more thing about the game. Um, this is round three of playtests. And um, at this point, I am looking forward to a PDF version of this game being available for purchase um, before the end of the year. Okay. Great. That and to awesome. plug it, where would you put it? I'd put it on Driver. <laughs> Drive through RPG. Excellent. Okay. Um, it's not there <laughs> yet. Why, why is that yet. funny, there, Dave? There's a while before it's going to be ready. Um, it is a work in progress, and if anyone is interested in trying it um, and running it for themselves, um, contact me on the Happy Jacks forums, and I will get you a copy of the material. Brilliant. That sounds awesome. And uh, what are you looking for when you have other people run your system? Are you looking for feedback? I'm looking like, for feedback. You, okay, cool. I'm, I'm, I know how the game works. For you? For me. So what I want to see is, can another person who's, who doesn't have my brain... Um, run the game and get it mm. and okay. understand what's supposed cool. to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. So that's that's what I'm aiming for with that. 
Nice. Excellent. And how did you kind of like overall feel about your game today? I, I was really pleased with the game today. Um, there are still some changes I want to make in how the game th- game works. Um, but overall, I think it's coming together. Um, and I think it represents the genre that I was after um, pretty well. Brilliant. That's awesome. I have to agree with that aspect. I, I may have limited experience with, with that genre, but it definitely matched what I understand the genre to entail. So... Thank you. Great job, Deb. That's so awesome, too, that you're just, like, creating your own stuff. Um, I, I was wildly inspired by a number of people, um, and, and I'm going to start with the guy next to me, because what Dave's oh, done... Tell him about you. Kurt. There you go. Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, what, what, no, what, I think that what Dave's done with Spirit of 77 is great, and um, I, I think that... It's a again. And other people who have written some really great... Um, apocalypse world-based games, uh, The Sprawl, uh, Tears and Kisses in the Rain, um, Sagas of the Icelanders. God, I really want to play Tears and Kisses in the Rain. I really do, actually. Yeah, it, um, they're great. They're just they're fabulous games. Stew System. Stew System, which is not based on the, on, no. on the apocalypse, but um, it, it, Moment of Truth is a great game. Yeah. It's a great yeah, game. It really system. is. Well, it, and it, he's going to listen to this soon, and I want him to be happy with my performance here. So. <laughs> so Stu's game is the best thing I've ever I seen. Uh, no, I no. Stu's game really is a good game. It's a, it's a very good, solid game. I've enjoyed playing it when I've gotten to. Yeah, yeah I, I played it at the February con, and and that that was a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, so. I, I think he. I'm you because know, he's not here. I don't want to wander too far down that path, but <laughs> I think he's definitely accomplished what he set out to with it. Yeah. He's a good looking man. He is. Let's not go too far. Viral. Swarthy. I mean, if you enjoy bald and corpulent, then yes, he's a very good. Hey, man. hey, hey! Internet allows me to have my own personal choices. <laughs> That's absolutely true. We don't and judge. I don't we, don't, we don't judge anybody, it's but you. Can. No, I, I, it's the bald part that I don't. Ever we don't judge anybody, but you here. I understand. I'm about to turn off all your mics. I mean, really. <laughs> Are, are we making you uncomfortable? <laughs> do, we to, do we need to put an X on the an X an X card on the table? I have to send you all to detention. Oh my goodness! Same word. <laughs> all right. So I think uh, chronologically, next is David's game. Uh, I ran two. Uh, well, I brought two games in. Uh, the oh, hi, I'm Dave. Start uh, with the first one, and then we'll get to the second one later. Don't combine them. <sighs> Why, why do you put conditions on me? Because like, I'm a teacher at very specific... Can't do it, you cannot he's a rules follower. Very specific Remember what happens assignment. if you don't follow the rules. And it has I to be get, cursive. I get no Chris pudding. stabs you. <laughs> okay, so uh, Friday Night was a kind of a, uh, a free-form game called uh, Necronomazomicon, which uh, was based off of the... So, oh, how, much, how much do you want me to go into this, man? Do it. Mm-hmm. Go for it. All right. Go for it. Since you the, the audience is waiting on the edge of their seats with no, she's breath. not. She's looking at her phone. All right, <laughs> all right. So here we go. All right. So well, it's what it smells like. What? So Bob and I went to Gen Con with along with fifty thousand of our closest friends, and we went. And when we were going through the dealer's room, hangar A, we saw every. Oh God, yes. Basically, in every row, you would see zombies, Cthulhu. Zombies, Cthulhu, zombie superheroes, heroes fighting Cthulhu, and the and, occasional Nazi. Yeah, and the occasional Nazi. But, not and, as but much by as that, sh- by that I mean rules lawyers. Yeah, very much. <laughs> no, I had lots of those at Gen Con. All right, so, <laughs> so I of course 
may have been drinking. And I... Sh- no. You fell off the wagon? <sighs> I don't believe it. I know. You I do sh- not believe this for a moment. Because usually I do airplane glue, and that's usually a lot easier. But the point is, it was, you know, in the wrong Indianapolis, not Wisconsin. <laughs> Two years ago, we went to Wisconsin, worst game at con ever, because there was nobody else there. But in Indianapolis, you know... I was looking at this thing, wouldn't it be funny to have zombies fighting Cthulhu? And so it kind of went into the back Hell of my yeah. head, and it became this particular game, which was which kind of started as a lark and a joke with Jim Sandoval, and uh, became zombie drone warfare with uh, the characters and index cards, allowing people to circle or, or cycle through bodies as they continued to basically bring or this elder god to justice. And you played in it, so yeah, why don't you talk about it? I did. Um, okay, I really enjoyed the game. Uh, I thought the, the idea behind the game was a lot of fun. Um, I hear a butt coming. No, there's not. Um, <laughs> that is the least... <laughs> Unbelievable statement. There were a cu- there were there were a couple of things about the the, imp- the this particular instance of the game that left me a little bit cold. Steady. But they were not the game. Steady. Um, <laughs> I would like to play the game again. Right now. Uh, well, we got four players. That's true. We, we can make that happen. I can make anything happen. Uh, <laughs> um, no, I liked it. It's kind of zany by nature. Um, but. It's it's a good implementation of a game, and I like the 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 mechanic of being able to bring in new bodies. So um, I actually set out to to kill as many bodies as I could. Yeah, well, actually, no, that's part of the mechanism in the game that when you kill a body, you get stronger. Right. So basically, you start off very weak, but you get more capable. Uh, yeah, more capable the more bodies you go through. Right. Um, and like I said, I thought the way you did that worked really well, and I liked the um, the the game setup you had, where you had index cards of the the rooms in the, the stores in the mall, and you just flipped them over as you, we went through it, and I'm, then I'm passing this one down to Kurt so he can read and it, and then you would flip over uh, a a new friends card for who we ran into in in the game. And I'm afraid I possibly set the tone off at the very beginning when in the very first room there were looters. And one of we had mission objectives, which were to kill the monsters and rescue any living humans that we could. And we 50% the, of that worked out pretty good. Yeah. And we went to the very first um, store. What, what, was that store this uh, game sweatshop? No. Oh, okay. uh, what was the first store? It was which, not, which has Abercrombie, absolutely it was not Abercrombie and, and Futz. Uh... Um, Oh, Spanky's Gifts. It was Spanky's Gifts, that's right. Um, but there were looters in Spanky's Gifts, and I shot them. Because a lot of people want the over-the-hill you know, over the hill 40s birthday party merchandise that they want to steal as, long, as well as bachelorette party giant penis right. merchandise. Right, um, well, But they yeah. were looters. They were looters. So I shot them, and I think that might have set the, set the tone off. For the, for the game, it's, you think so? It's possibly mine. Well, a lot of it was really kind of testing uh, different kinds of mechanisms and uh, mechanics, mechanisms and mechanics. That's redundant. Yeah. Well, I think we have. I was the writer, then, Jim. I do writing and I, I, stuff. I, I write words. And, you uh, all have the best words, the very best words. Well, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I thought the game itself was really cool. I enjoyed. I liked the setup. I liked the way the game thinks. Um, 
I think we had a cut. We had a disconnect in some of the players. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, I mean, ultimately, and here's where I plug Strategicon is that Strategicon as a whole has a really good recurring group of RPG players that are very receptive to playtests and new concepts that I, I really like bringing games in. You know, even if it's just... Uh, I mean, we did a lot of Spirit of 77 when we were first coming up with the concept here. And it was valuable because not only did we get to meet a lot of people and, and develop it, but it made us feel more confident with a new product to say, we have a new game here. And as opposed to, you know, people saying, well, you've never done this or you've never published. So, you know, you're kidding, you're bothering. Right. People were very receptive saying, you know, I'm willing to see what you got. What are you going to do? And that's why I like bringing games into a strategic on. That's why bad streets does very well. And all these different types Mm -hmm. of new ideas that, you know, and a lot of it. And again, I'm, I'm shilling my man here, but I don't, feel bad about it you know jim sandoval is one of the most receptive guys to rpgs and new people on the block to bring them into the schedule and give them their uh a forum to be able to have their stuff recognized and evaluated and worked on yep and oh my god we're being overwhelmed oh my god we've doubled the audience tripled (laughs) (laughs) welcome Um, welcome um i i also think i i totally agree with with what you're saying dave and i think that a number of really good games have seen the light of day for the first time at a Strategicon event. Yeah. And so, you know, kudos to Strategicon for both welcoming the kinds of games that we're doing and for, um, bring, for encouraging players who are welcoming of those kinds of games as well. Absolutely. Woo. So what about your other game? Oh, the other game, the game that I ran today. The game that you ran today. The game I ran today was a game called Bedlam Hall, and that is also a playtest that I've been wanting to run for a while. This is a game that actually started a couple of months ago that is uh, based off of a couple of different concepts. Uh, The story behind that is uh, my wife is a big Downton Abbey fan. I mean, just really, uh, yeah, I mean, she watches that. She watches Mr. Selfridge. Uh, oh, basically yeah. all of the, you know, Edwardian kind of, yeah. Outlander? I haven't seen Outlander yet. I, I've been wanting to, I, but I, I know it's very good. Outlander's big at, at, at our place. Uh, Jeeves and Wooster is another one oh. that really kind of uh, prompted the game. And so <laughs> we were talking about it, and Jeeves and Wooster, we were ta- I, I was thinking, how could you play a game based off of Jeeves and Wooster? And I realized if you did that, you wouldn't really want to play Wooster because he doesn't really do anything effectively. He's always wrong. And he's always kind of dumb. And the better character is Jeeves. So the whole concept is playing the servant staff right. for a messed up family and having to basically deal with the fact that you... He's Alfred Pennyworth? Yeah, what was that? He's Alfred Pennyworth? Uh, kind of, in a way. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I'm trying to think if Alfred would probably be a... a bit more like Lurch, really, or something <laughs> like that. Okay, that know? works. So it, it actually was a really interesting uh, playtest, because it was the first time uh, I had run the game for people around the table. I've been doing a lot of uh, online playtests through uh, Google Plus and, and things like that. So it was a different dynamic. And, and I know that you've been doing a lot of playtesting uh, at Strategicons for, for Bad Streets, but mm-hmm. uh, I, I think that as, as much as 
I, I had learned a lot from uh, doing the online games, just to kind of, you know, test the engine, what have you. Having everyone around the table seeing each other changed the dynamic to really give a lot of good feedback. And, and again, the players, of course, you know, just, you know, rock the Thunderdome yourself and Chris, you know. And so I felt very good about how it was afterwards. And I'm running another version of it tomorrow to see how it goes, you know. Cool. Um, Chris, you want to go first? Talk about Bedlam? Not that Chris, the other Chris. Yeah, not the one to talk, but the other one. <laughs> the other Viking. The somewhat less tinier Viking. Wait, go ahead. But, equal, <laughs> but equally ferocious. Why are you sitting down there? Why don't you just get up here? Because <laughs> I have to be the studio audience. Yeah, stand up, Chris. <laughs> I'm very tall. I'm sorry. I'm also losing my voice. So this is Chris again. Hi. Uh, hi. Yeah. Hi. Been a long time. Um, <laughs> so um, I played Bennett, the ladies' maid. Ladies' maids only go by their last name. And... Um, before, I don't mean to interrupt, but I think one of my favorite things about the game was the fact that nobody actually learned the name of the cook. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, wait. This was the game that you described as being Downton Abbey meets the Adams Family. That's right. Yep. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> yes. Nobody learned the cook's name. Everybody ref- and, and That's because Jim said very clearly, I am known as Cook. Yes, and that's what he wrote on his, his little name tag thing. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's okay. Okay. Um. And my, we all have, our characters all have secrets. And my secret was that I had absolutely no experience in the job I've been hired for. And I'm a big faker. <laughs> so as a ladies maid, I did things like um, burn the blouse I was ironing and, you know, drop my ladies clothes and tangle the ribbons and just be completely inept at picking out clothes. Um, what else should I say about Whatever you like. Whatever I like. I had a great time as I Hi, always do in all you? of Dave's games. Oh, look. Eric it's Eric. It's Eric. Let's have Eric talk because he's far more interesting. <laughs> So we're going to pause for there for just a second. We're going to have Eric, who is one of the the strategic gods, coming here. <laughs> did you just come up with that? I did. That's good. I know, right? I'm good wow. at this stuff. Very, very snappy. With you, that he's that been is. promoted. Very snappy with it's almost like I worked at the Ren Fair for hey, over a know, decade. Hey, Amazing. Hey. So, I don't know why you're wearing the outfit here. I mean, I it's pretty weird, well, you know. Yeah. But anyway, he came in, so we're going to give him a moment, and he's going to tell us all about this strategic con. Woo! Hello. So normally I'm not here on GameX, because normally you're not here on Ga- at GameX. And so That's very true. For those of you who uh, don't know, this is actually our smallest show of the three. Uh, but small is relative. <laughs> I think the very first time... We're on track to hit 2,000 for I May. I told you size nice. didn't matter, Kimmy. <laughs> nice. Given that we took this show over a few years ago, it was at about 500. So that'll tell you something. So thank you very much. Uh, Bill, hope things are going well. Congratulations. Yay. Yeah. And Stu, you should be here, but I understand why you're not. So uh, anyway, that's all. Thank you very much. Hope it's been going well for you. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for, so much for stopping by. I'm glad to watch the Warriors game. Right. Sweet. <laughs> Come out and play. And David, I'm just going to say, it's not the size of the ship, it's the motion of the ocean. Yeah, but you can't get across the English Channel in a dinghy. Hey, I wrote a whole song about this, and you'll listen to it later. We, we, we oh, had a, God, we, not again! We had a whole routine this year of, of, of accusing one of our bandmates of having a small dick. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was great. It was <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. Was, you, you know they put uh, condom, they put serial numbers on condoms. 
Yes, I've rolled them down long enough to see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <we haven't>. <laughs> <laughs> the aristocrats. All right, all right. So Getting back yes. to games. Getting back, back to, to the games. games. Where did we leave off? Go um, ahead. We were talking about Bedlam Hall. And um, I played Cook. I was only known as Cook. I did actually have a name, but nobody knew what it was. Nice. I love the fact no one was 100% sure if you were Mr. Cook or Mrs. Cook. Because right. they referred to it really either they, they, way. And, and that's and fine. It was, it was Mrs. Cook, but um, I, that didn't bother me. Um, but my secret was that I saw ghosts, and um, I spent most of the game making a diligent effort to poison the family. Please tell me that you didn't see ghosts in the oven. He didn't get a ch- or I'm sorry, Cook didn't get a chance to do that, but Cook decided at one point to poison everybody, and it really did play out nice because uh, one of the mechanics is that you can basically have a mo- what's called a cruel move where you basically get to screw everybody at the table or one person really bad, and uh, the, the move was called a horrible aperitif where everybody was poisoned simultaneously, and so he, you know, Cook said, I'm doing this, and so there were the... Uh, 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 the, the, petty the, petty force. Force. the petty force, and so uh, Chris's character, Miss Bennett, was given the petty force to take into to the family, and of course, everybody was trying the petty force when nobody was around, except for one player who didn't know because he <laughs> actually was out washing his hands. That's what gentlemen say when they pee, and because <laughs> that's the only time we wash our hands in the men's room, guys, and. He basically said, no, I don't think I'm going to do that. And he was literally the only player that did not stay in, you know, being unwell <laughs> at, at some point during the game. And it was totally by luck. You didn't know, you know, at, at any point. So that was really nice to see the cruel move work it, out. It, I really enjoyed how that played out. And then it, it became even more fun for me when a little later, because I had another move that allowed me to make another, another dish that would heal heart, that would heal them, that would make them feel better. And I kept offering them to people and be like, no, I'm not, I'm no. <laughs> I've learned taking, my lesson, I'm thank you very much. I'm not taking your cookies. Because <laughs> so, yeah, I already tossed mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, so horrible aperitif? That's horrible what, aperitif. What, was just creme de banana? or? Um, <laughs> they, well, they were pedophores that, that were, were... Oh, okay, all right. Hey, with, Matt, you played, didn't you? <laughs> hey, I want you to talk, talk about it. Hi, Matt. Welcome back. This is the other Matt, by the way, not yeah. the one that spoke earlier. No, it's totally not the same one. It's totally just his different. Twin brother. Matt Rev, too. <laughs> yes. Uh, I played uh, Bertrand Goodfellow, the butler. And uh, yes, I was the one player who managed to not eat the poisoned uh, petty forest and then vomit. So I came back from going to the bathroom. And I, I need to interject one thing here. Yes. Nobody. The pedophores were actually intended for the family, not for the not yeah, for the all the staff, not, the just not for the staff. And I was trying to and play. None of the none of the family got to eat them because somebody, the maid Miss Bennett, barfed all over the tray. <laughs> <laughs> and so of them. So my character. So you know, they're like, try these pedophores. My character. I'm trying to play. You know. A butler. He's like, no, that's intended for the family. I'm not going to eat that until you know after they've had theirs. And then all of a sudden, everyone starts having explosive vomiting. And I really hate it when that happens. Yeah, that's that's terrible. good role play. That is good GMing and saying I'm going to make a bodily function be explosive. <laughs> well, I, I, thanks for playing. I thought it was awesome <laughs> that basically all you did was tell was was tell somebody you are unwell, and they went with it. 
they yeah. totally went with it. Now, actually, as the, as the creator, and again, I, I apologize because <laughs> for the rest of the studio audience here, because this is kind of insider baseball. So you played the butler character, and you played the cook, and then you, and you played the ladies' maid, you in the back. And so my question is, when you were choosing the playbooks, and, and I know I asked this question about Mean Streets, what made you pick the butler, or was it uh, uh, just random chance, or... Uh, it was kind of random chance. I mean, it was the second time I was playing in uh, an apocalypse game. Okay. So I wanted to try uh, a character who would be a, like was a little bit more in charge because okay. it was I had that option, and there was one character concept that didn't get picked, and I'm not certain. I don't remember if that was true or not, but there was one that was still sitting in the middle of the table because uh, everybody else had kind of grabbed them. And it was Butler, and something else was left. Actually, I think everybody. I'm sorry. I think everything got picked. Uh, there were six playbooks, and all six of them got picked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then one hadn't um, been picked. Two hadn't been picked, and then I. I think the ones that had one. not been picked at that point were uh, the housekeeper and the butler. Okay. And, and you picked the butler. And you yeah. picked the butler, and then um, Charissa picked the housekeeper. Yes. After that. So why did you pick Cook? Uh, I picked the cook because when I looked at them, um, the one that I thought had the most potential for mischief in the game was the cook. And why did you pick the maid? I picked the maid because um, the first lady's maid on Downton Abbey was a real conniving bitch, and I like that a lot. Oh, Miss O'Brien? Oh, I hate that character. O'Brien, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I hate O'Brien. She was Irish. She was Irish, you understand. All right, so... Here he says, actually getting to a, a, a specific question. So when you're picking, for those of you who have played um, Apocalypse World-based games or Powered by the Apocalypse games, so what drives you to pick a specific playbook versus other ones? Now, I realize that Kurt was just talking about how he went out of his wheelhouse of what he normally did and was basically wanting to, to, to uh, spread his wings, as it were. So what are you looking for when you actually pick your roles? I was just going with what I thought might be interesting at the time based on the concept of the game. Okay. So, I mean, the... But just general, like, you know, when you were picking... uh, No, you were a straight shooter. You were picking the Crusader. Yeah. Why the Crusader? Uh, I happen to like that kind of character concept and the the genre of the game because... Uh, it is a little bit cliche when you if you know a lot about the the genre, um, but I happen to really enjoy it. So now, Chris, you I, I I've been fortunate to to survive many games to Chris, <laughs> and That's an so I know assessment. that you know you've played. <laughs> you know, I know theater of the mind. She's five foot two, if that, and three. tall shoes. Running <laughs> straight, I'm five foot three. All right, so. In the first game of Run For You, you played a vigilante where you basically shot people, <laughs> right? Then you played Lady Macbeth. <laughs> now, and then you played, you went against character type and actually played somebody that didn't have a weapon. <laughs> so when you're picking playbooks, you know, what has drawn you to particular character concepts more than others? As a, you know, you could have picked the housekeeper, you could have picked... <laughs> Bloodshed, whatever I can kill. You're not wrong. I am drawn to badassery. I'll have to say that. Um, I wound up not going that direction with the ladies' maid. I didn't like. Originally, I intended to be very like snooping. I'm going to uncover everybody and, and betray everybody. And I didn't wind up choosing that, to go that way. I just had went, had fun going a different direction. But um, yeah, I do like evil. <laughs> <laughs> I think that it's only fair to say that. As much as Chris likes to play evil characters and badass characters, Chris is a very sweet, sweet lady. 
Just yeah. don't get on her bad side. <laughs> hey, Kimmy. <laughs> hey, Kimmy. Speaking of bad sides, so Wait, what? When you, now That's you've me. you've picked. Thank you, guys. By the way, so you, uh, last convention was the first time you had done an Apocalypse World game, right? Yes, absolutely. And, and that was the one, the, the Shakespeare game. Yes, I played Bottom from Midsummer Night's Dream. You said Bottom, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and t- before you filled who in also the whole an Midsummer ass. Night's Dream, yeah, Sorry. exactly. You played Bottom, it becomes an ass, and yes. I'm like, who's the top? Ah! <laughs> <sighs> All right, me so. and me. <laughs> Don't ask. Don't worry about it. Sorry, I don't know. I've been drinking. Go ahead. So that now I realize that part of the reason that you had picked bottom was because you were uh, or you are a Shakespeare aficionado and, and one of your favorite plays. But moving beyond that, what kind of playbooks? What would draw you to a certain playbook more than anything else? Because it is kind of a different thing. I mean, for other games, like when you're actually building the stats and what have you, you say, okay, I'm picking a particular role, and you have a, a lot more agency in terms of the mechanics you're getting to do, but those mechanics are not normally a function of a, of a story game. The story game gives you a playbook, and then you bake in everything else, but the moves are handed to you specifically. Mm-hmm. So what draws you, or if you're going to do another story game, what would you be looking for? Well, I'm the, the asshole GM who doesn't let anybody see their character sheets before the game in any way. I usually have it That's set awesome. out. It and is sometimes awesome. not during the game either. It's right. Like, you know, <laughs> character sheets are holding Roll you dice. back, man. They're holding you back. You fit. you back. <laughs> so usually when people come up to my table um, is they've got folders, and each folder has like a symbol on it. And that's how they pick their characters, based on whatever that symbol is. So, hi, welcome. Um, so... Uh, Generally, there'll be something that will draw me to it. Like you had, uh, didn't you have quotes on yours, I believe, for the Shakespeare game? I did. Yeah. And so I I was kind of looking through that and I noticed the quote immediately and I was like, oh, and that sort of was a little bit of a tell. But um, little things like that, like character hints are things that that draw me to it, whether it's a quote, whether it's a symbol of some type, a picture. Um, something that catches my eye. I'm a vis- very visual person. So that's usually what draws me to it originally. I don't generally have a specific type of character that I like to play, um, especially for one-shots. So I like just trying new things. What about you, Jim? Um, <clears throat> and actually, this is a uh, two-part question for you because obviously uh, you play them and also create them. So the first question is what draws you to a particular type of playbook? And the second question is when creating playbooks, what are you, you know, shooting what am I trying to, to do? do? Okay, well, I'll start. I'll answer the first. Hold one. on a second. Kurt's having to take his uh, WD, not WD forty, his Robitussin. <laughs> his Robitussin. I, 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 yeah, just I. I, I Don't worry that, about it. It's I, coffee. Well, it, it it was empty, is what it was. <laughs> unfortunately. Oh, uh, yeah. Like your soul. Go ahead. Wow. Um. <laughs> um. Okay. There's a two part answer to the first question, which is usually I pick at random. Okay. Yeah. You've uh, rolled dice to I, I pick I will pick your a character, character or a playbook at random and say, give me that, and I'm going to find a way to make it work. Yes, gamer. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but if I, if I decide I'm going to look for something, I usually look for something where I can um, contribute to the game, where I can create mischief in the game, where I can, inter- where I can interact with other char- player characters, because that's what I want to do. Um, you know, I've, I've killed enough NPC orcs over the years. I want to interact with the other player characters. Um, 
so that's kind of my answer to it. So when you say get involved in mischief, mm-hmm. are you saying mischief and based off of group dynamics saying, oh, well, everybody's going north, so I'm going to see no. if I can mess it south, or I'm going to no. be mischief to the plot line, or what do you mean? Um, where I can just make things, make life interesting for uh, for other characters. Um, uh, for example, in, in Bedlam Hall, um, I set out to make mischief with the other player characters by making life more difficult for them in different ways. Like, I poisoned them. And, but, I mean, I'm not trying to kill them. I'm not trying to get them out of, take them out of the game. I'm still trying to make life interesting for at, them. At what point did, you, well. did Cook start making soap? Because you're doing the mischief, you're uh, moving up to mayhem. He's making a Fight Club reference. I know. Don't talk about Fight Club. I <laughs> wasn't talking about Fight Club. You talked about Fight Club. No, he brought up Fight Club. <laughs> I didn't say Fight oh Club. Oh my God, you you're Club. all breaking the second rule of Fight, or fourth <laughs> rule, whatever it is. First um, rule, second rule, rule, both. <laughs> so, but when I'm making play Jokes are funnier when you have to repeat them. <laughs> or explain them. Hey. hey. Exactly, because that makes good radio. Um, kind of like, you know, when you're showing off your t-shirt. Shut up. <laughs> My t-shirt is awesome. Hey, it's so awesome, it's through radio. Has, has my God, pull that back down! <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I'm making playbooks for a game, um, what I'm looking for are archetypes that characterize the nature of the game. Um, so, like, for example, for Bad Streets, uh, the pl- there are eight playbooks. Um, they are things like the veteran, um, the rebel, the rookie, the straight arrow, the... Uh, the tormented, the crusader, um, you know, things that are, are archetypal of things that you would see in a 1970s or 80s crime drama. That's, that's, and that's what I'm aiming for. I think I'd like to hear what Ed has to say about this. <laughs> oh, hi. Hi. So, uh, hi who are you and what makes you famous? Well, my name is Edward. Um, hi, Edward. There are a couple of things that might make me famous. One, I have also worked fair for a long time. Fuck. Uh, yes, I used to play. Uh, Just to be clear, working fair does not make you famous. No, it really doesn't. It depends what you're listening. Like. So I <laughs> played. Uh, what circle you're I played a pocket and aerial show at Rent Fair. But for this group, probably the thing that makes me most famous is I am known as the roommate to two of the three weird sisters. That's true. That yeah. Maui and Twin have been on and mentioned. Oh, our roommate oh, Ed. That explains That's so much. Me. Ed. <laughs> doesn't it though? Yeah. I was also briefly also, on the show a couple, of event, uh, a couple years ago. He runs badass games. Yes. Oh, my. Thank you. And uh, you ran a game, correct? And you're going to tell us all about it. <laughs> Apparently, my arm hath been twisted by rel- uh, quite a number of hot uh, girls in this room. So, <laughs> And a few good-looking men. And a few good-looking men, yes. too, as well. All right. So um, yes. I oh ran my. a tabletop for the Dying Kingdom's LARP. Which I know sounds like a contradiction in terms when you say tabletop and a LARP. So uh, the short version is that um, we sometimes will, at conventions such as this, we'll do tabletop versions of our LARP game, which allows us to focus on more personal plot things and side quest style stuff, as opposed to the uh, a game when you have 80 people. Some people don't get as much personal attention to the course of a camping weekend that others do. Um, at this particular event, uh, I was running a table in the land, uh, our Dying Kingdom's land of Scanos, which is essentially the Vikings. Um, a couple, we have a couple of players who are from there, and the concept was that the, the the Jarls and various lords of that land were gathering because someone decided they wanted to pick a high eighthling, a high king of the Vikings, to unite them all. But the guy who was gonna well, proposing this is one of my character's brothers, who is basically her enemy, and who kind of essentially 
so <laughs> don't tell her this because they suspect it but don't have facts, um, had slowly poisoned the father. So if after- you're listening, shh, tell no one. Okay, uh, nobody's listening. They're all drinking right now. Um, We're not streaming. They're not listening right now. <laughs> exactly. Damn. So, um, what? she, she had been exiled as part of her backstory and then her brother had, uh, has, has slowly poisoned her father to die and has not taken over and was trying to make a play to be the high king. Um, but then this other, uh, Skanos that, uh, she had met in an earlier table with somebody else, um, who she apparently has an affection for was going to try and oppose him. And so they have the big gathering, the ting we stole from like the thing from the Viking show. Um, to elect, and so the two candidates are yelling at each other, and so some seer comes out and says, you have to go on a quest, prove your her- heroism, and go kill uh, this frost white uh, wyvern we've got up in the north. What was their hair like? What was their hair like? You know, because in Viking, everyone has great hair. Yeah, yeah, well, their hair was pretty good. Lots of braids. That's <laughs> the word. We, we have shield maidens and that kind of thing. I mean, you, sh- you should see, we actually have one of our players is a woman who actually plays a guy, but she puts on a full... Uh, crepe hair beard with braids and everything as, as one of our Scanos men. You don't see a lot of female dwarf women. <laughs> Pretty much. So, I mean, for the first half of it, which went longer than I intended, but I should have known this, was a lot of them talking and scheming and talking to the various Yarls and seeing who supported who and stuff, so it's my own fault for saying a political thing. For your tabletop. For my tabletop. I mean, I could talk more about the large stuff, but you asked well, what no, I did actually, today. So- so, actually, this is a very interesting question. So it is an interesting question. You, based off the tabletop, as opposed to being something that's, you know, uh, a LARP is obviously a little bit easier for mm-hmm. political, like, kind of machinations or mechanisms, mm-hmm. because <laughs> you obviously, you, you know, can't have huge battles the same way in a hotel. Uh, yeah, well, that, that, that's... As opposed to, like, a tabletop where you're saying, we're all being attacked by a thousand archers. Yeah. But you flipped it to say, we're going to have the tabletop game to be more of a, a political diplomatic game. The first half <laughs> was, and then, then they had to go kill a monster was my, my swap on that one. Um, well, what, what drove that decision? Well, uh, so, I mean, like I said, when we do these tabletops, we try to, like, figure out, okay, what am I going to run? Because we have the main storyline that happens usually more at the LARP games, and it's a campaign thing. So it's like, some of these are these are characters they have played before at the LARPs and continue to play and are advancing. But then we're sort of writing essentially sort of a one-shot side quest for the small, smaller group of characters that want to go do their thing. Um, in this case, uh, it was we were bouncing ideas around with me and the other GM members, and it was like, hey, someone else run a Scanos table, you know, and I was like, oh, I guess I could do something like that, and I knew that part of what was going on with her backstory is that her brother was poisoning her father to take over, and then um, and they had another character that someone else had introduced, which is, had his own reasons for wanting to uh, get the Scanos behind him uh, to fight. He's, he thinks Ragnarok's coming like our version of it, and so he wanted to gather followers to help with Ragnarok, and so for me, I thought it would be good for the characters, because she has she, she had been exiled in her history, so she had to come back to her homeland where she technically wasn't welcome with her friends and try to stop her brother, who she knows is an asshole, from becoming the High King, and we'll fuck everything up. Yes, you have a question? I do have a question. So um, how do you resolve things? Like in a tabletop game, generally we roll and stuff. How do you do that versus how do you do it when you're actually playing the LARP versus when you're doing the tabletop version? 
Excellent question. So there are different styles of LARPs, but I'm not going to go into detailing every single one of them. The one we play is a uh, buffer live combat one, <laughs> which means that when uh, there's Hit a... someone! Yeah, so, so, when the, so when the, you know, nasty, we'll say Sara and Lizard people are coming to attack you, I don't describe it, we don't roll initiative, some people in Lizard masks come out of the woods of the campsite with swords and try to hit you, and you try to hit them back with foam swords. So it is, uh, it is actual combat, and then there are some mechanics that, like, calls you can make that, you know, to indicate powers you're using or skills you're using. Kurt, you play LARP, don't you? I, I do, and I have played in DK once or twice. Um, so, but, okay. Yeah. So, as someone who referees stuff like this on the playground at schools, <laughs> how do you figure out who wins that? Okay. Like, is it a hospital visit? <laughs> that's, um, okay, that's, so the, well, only if the game is really good. No, so, okay, so if uh, someone goes limp, most, taps out, the most, game is over. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Most boffer LARPs have a system that is twofold. One, it's usually a light touch system um, where you're, you're basically, if, if I get Jib just enough where he can feel it with the sword, he's lost that limb or, or a hit point on that. Yeah, or whatever. Or, uh, so it's a light. It's a light touch system. Most most lights. There are some that are full contacts. They're uh, Belagar. Uh, yeah, that kind that of stuff. Are, they're, you you know you've been hit because you're now on the ground. Yeah, <laughs> the, the ones that are step below SCA. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So um, there are there are those, but most of uh, most of the ones that, that Ed and I are familiar with are, are are light touch systems. And the other part is at least within the LARP that I'm familiar with, it's a, it's an honor based system. You. As as an honorable player, I thought you played vampire. I, I do that too, but, yeah. but <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, vampire is not a buffer system. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, it, it, as an honorable player, you admit when you've get, gotten hit. Sure. And this is part of the reason why at least our LARP is eighteen and over because. Well, for insurance reasons, one, and for the other reasons that it's easier to get people who are over 18 to actually admit that they've, they've actually been hit when they have. Sure. Now, yeah, and mm-hmm. um, if not, if, if, it, if there are times when it comes down to really um, being, making sure that people are being honest, then that's when you have staff observe. Mm-hmm. You have plot staff observe the fight, and they will say, "No, no, really, you got hit. Stop faking, like or, or you know, because yeah. it it's ha- it happens. And sometimes it when the with the adrenaline of running around and 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 hitting people with with foam covered sticks, um, it actually takes a while for the brain to register that you actually got hit, especially if you're wearing any kind of armor like leather bracers or anything like that. So yeah." yeah. So I'll add on to that that one of the hardest things you'll ever have to do in your life is math during combat. <laughs> you know, thankfully, the Dying Kingdom system isn't too number crunchy, but I've been in others where it is like, okay, I've got 20 energy and 30 armor. Oh, I just got hit for three and oh, five. Okay, that's uh, five down. I'm going to do this power attack three, and that cost me uh, four energy. And, and trying to do that while you're in the middle of a combat thing. With oh my God! Other yeah, so that's the same. But yeah, yeah, basically, what Kurt described is is what it is. It's basically an honor system. We usually do have at least one staff person watching a fight, but usually because I'm gauging uh, how many times respawn whatever NPCs, if they're respawnable NPCs, like oh, there are hordes of little demons coming after you. I only have ten little demon people to send after you, and I've got thirty players. So to sort of simulate the horde when they die, they come stand by me and say, "Okay, go back in again, go," <laughs> you know, and send them back in versus some more violence. 
So, uh, in comparison, what's the percentages of you doing LARP versus tabletop? Of uh, let me do this here. Um, usually, do wow, like, math is rough. Well, yeah, math is rough. I mean, <laughs> we, we've had uh, I think we have four cam- four camping games this year, and a camping game means we start Friday night and play basically through Saturday night, and then pack out on Sunday at a campgrounds. And then, um, and we think we've had uh, I think so far three tabletop days this year. Um, we occasionally do a day game, which is just a uh, like noon to seven in a park. That's been getting harder for us because Dying Kingdoms is getting kind of big. And it's one thing when you have 20 people going to a park to run a day game to get some people to be monsters for you. It's another thing when you have 80. Literally, one of the last day games we had at Over Huntington Beach Central Park, we had over 80 people. The great thing about parks in Southern California is you've got a lot of monsters in parks already. Well, yeah, but unfortunately, if I go speeding on homeless people with foam sticks, they kick me out. <laughs> So it's a tabletop. So um, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. So in the LARP thing, I mean, there's sort of mechanics. If I've got, above all anything else, if I get hit in the arm with a sword and I've got nothing to call, my arm is injured, I can't use it anymore. But you'll have things like armor. So I get hit in the arm, I call armor. I say this out loud, and that indicates the person who hit me that, yes, you did hit me. Um, I have lost some of my armor because you hit my armor. But sure. I'm not losing my arm yet because I have armor. Or you might have a call such as parry, which means that um, I am a better swordsman in my fantasy life than I am in real life. <laughs> and therefore, I can, you know, you hit me, but I will say the word parry to indicate that my character actually could block your blow. Okay, so now I have a question as a mm. costumer. Mm. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. Does the armor actually, like, is it pen- dependent on what you're wearing? Like, if you're wearing leather armor, do you um, have to actually wear steel armor? Or can I wear cloth that I write the word armor on? So, um, some both. games are different. In DK, we do require you to wear the armor that you are supposed to be wearing. And uh, and it only protects the areas that it actually covers. So, we do have people run around in, in actual scale mail, actual plate mail, if they want to brave the heat. Most people go for the stiff leather option because it gets you a nice balance of actual points of protection versus how hot and how hard it is to run around in that shit. So let me ask you this. Why do you pick LARP as opposed to tabletop? What what attracts you to doing LARP? Because okay. beating your friends with foam covered sticks is amazingly cathartic. So I, 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 I feel like you. we haven't yet to answer Kimmy's original question, so I'm going to pause to answer yours to go back to the tabletop conversion. So essentially, as I explained, this sort of that system in the tabletops, I can't actually swing a stick at you. So that's where we introduce a very simple, very simple dice mechanic, uh, where it's essentially three d six. You get ten or more. You hit the person. Um, uh, if, if the person is a person has a shield, the target number is a little higher to hit them uh, because they have a shield. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, if I hit you, uh, you s- use the same rules from your LARP game. Do you have armor? Then you can call your armor to say you don't take damage from it. Do you have a parry? You can call your parry off your sheep. And you, in our system, you have only so much of that you can use per combat. So when that's gone, then now you're taking hits. So sure. we basically put a sort of a, I would call a dice roll patch on top of basically the LARP rules. You don't force people to teach two systems. Now on to the question about why LARP over yeah. tabletop. Now mind you, they're both just as good. They're good for different things. There are but some what do you th- get out of doing the LARP as opposed um, to tabletop? I would have to say probably from costumes. Costumes is a big part of it. it really I, is. I would honestly say, and I know because you've had podcasts about this, in fact I think even Chip's been on it, would be the immersion. Um, it's surprisingly uh, immersive. Um, you'd be like, I'm amazed. Like, yeah, we're sitting around in costumes. We have tents and stuff. But if you allow yourself to just be your character all the time and everyone around you is also being your characters, even if you're just sitting around waiting for something to happen, you just idly chat about things. And then suddenly, 30 Grimdraws run around the corner screaming, uh, chasing peasants. And you're like, holy crap, and pulling your sword out. And you suddenly are fighting for your life. And it feels like you're fighting for your life because yeah. that's what actually happens. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I have had... Um, 
the most some of the most immersive moments as a player at a LARP that I've and then and then even that then you bring that back to the tabletops. These play people at these tabletops because they walk around in costume playing these characters at LARPs are then just as immersed when they come to the tabletops because that character's already in their head. They already know what it feels like to be there. What about you, Kurt? Because I, I know I, you do a different system, so I'm curious. Yeah, um, the, the the LARP that I'm most closely associated with is uh, it's called AOKP. It's the Artorian Order of the Knights of Pendragon. Um, I thought you did Pillars of Salt, too. I did for a while. Okay. Um, and my wife is at that game right now, actually. Oh. Um, but um, Go Pillars of Salt. Peace. Yeah. Um, so ours is even lighter on the mechanics than most other LARPs. If you get hit in the arm, you've lost the arm. There is no armor. Um, and if you get hit in the torso, you're dead. And there is no armor. So we don't bother with the math. Um, math but there is, is hard. Ma- math in the middle of math in the middle of combat is amazingly difficult. Okay, but, um, but what draws you to it? Uh, the immersion is a huge part of it. Uh, it absolutely is. There, there's for the for the combat aspect. There's the aspect of I can say at around a tabletop, you crest the ridge and there are thirty five orcs waiting for your paltry band of five adventurers. Roll initiative. And, okay, yeah, there's a little twinge of, oh, shit. But you crest the ridge at a park, and there's, you know, 14, 15 people wearing actual orc masks and carrying weapons that are five feet long and... Or whatever, or they're or they're carrying shields that are they're banging them against their their or ca- carrying swords and banging against their shields, and that's legitimately terrifying. Uh, even though you know in the back of your mind it's fake, it's foam, it 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 won't hurt it. it but there's still this immersion aspect of crap. There's a pucker aspect, which is awesome, and then in in theater larps which AOKP is also sort of half boffer, half theater LARP, um, you can, you, you have a question. You, so theater LARPs are more like, Pillars of Salt is a theater LARP. It's, there, there's, combat is not adjudicated via beating people with sticks, or there isn't combat. Um, and it, it, you're, you're, either you've got uh, conflicts adjudicated by rock, paper, scissors, or you just talk it out. And you're just—it's as if you're in a play, and you're you're talking out whatever the problems are. And if there happens to be a conflict that requires combat or something more physical, you take it off camera. You take it off away from everybody else. You have a little out of character discussion about how it, it usually with a plot staff member, and then you come back in and you know, okay, um, by the way, he wiped the floor with me or whatever. So and can I just can, interject because one other system you reminded me of is uh, Houses of the Blooded okay. uh, has a very fate-based style thing where okay. you have these tickets. Uh, they're essentially like fate points, but they call them something else. And it's kind of like negotiate. I'm going to give you this thing, so you have to do the thing. Oh well, I'm doing. You spend more to to not do them, and it a becomes so much system, more of a negotiation. Yeah. You decide story-wise yeah. who's going to win, who's going to lose if it right. comes to a conflict and, and, thing. And there can be some 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 wonderful aspect, not just the catharsis of beating people with sticks, but also the 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 wonderful aspect of, of physically acting out what you're doing. I had, a couple of years ago in AOKP, I, uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I choreographed out a, a trial by combat. 
because it's a medieval style uh, larb, Arthurian mythos, and trial by combat was absolutely a way to adjudicate a difference between two characters uh, or two two people in that time frame. And I I'm not a bad fighter. I'm I'm actually a fairly decent fighter, and she wasn't, but she was playing a vampire. And so my skill versus vampiric strength. And she threw me around the field like a ragdoll. And, you know, I had to play that up, That's but it was hot. fun. That's hot. I like that. It was cool. Tell it, me more. It was Can a lot of fun. Tell me about that. It was, it was and really then she cool. bit him a lot later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't part of the LARP. <laughs> Safe word! Okay. No <laughs> but, yeah, just physically acting out what it is that you're, you've been describing at a tabletop can be really, really cool. And you know you're doing pratfalls and you're 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 doing stage fighting and things like that sometimes, which can be really oh yeah you're doing pratfalls and stage fighting and that can be really fun. I think the point out because I said a lot of it too. I mean, we as staff do our best, but because because you always talk about different kind of people at the tabletops. You got people who are the crunchy, the mechanic ones. You got the people who are the theatrical ones. LARPing attracts the theatrical role player ones. It attracts your storks, <laughs> you know. So well, you're gonna have people. Well, stork, stork is a LARP. Well, was a LARP. Yeah, he's AOKP he, too. It, yeah, Stork was an AOKP back in the mid '80s. Yeah. So so you get that kind. So when you have not just the GM or supply people trying to give you things to make you immerse, but when basically the other players are doing the same thing, the people who are the like really good LARPers from my consideration are ones who will, when they're bored, find something to talk to that other person about and keep them in character or even start a little argument about, why did you do this? Why, why did you go looting people on the body instead of fight, continue with the fight? You know, you do not loot the dead bandits until all the bands are actually dead. <laughs> you know, because we well, were, they were there. You know. Like, that's actually been a source of con- like minor conflict. Like we, our our DK is not a player versus player game. Uh, so like if you're, if you're actually at the point where you want to kill a fellow player, it's like can we pull it back and discuss it? What's going on? We try, we try to have all the players be on the same side. Uh, but still, you have like no, you don't you don't stop to loot the bodies until everyone else is dead. And the guy who's more the roach going, well, I still want that money. So. <laughs> loot the still bodies the on the floor. It says on my loot the bodies on the floor. So. And but but the, and then going back to the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned being a teacher at recess. I've actually made that comparison of the difference between being a player at LARP versus the, someone who's running it. Is that when you're the player, you're the kids at recess running around, and then when I'm watching the fight as someone who's on staff, like and I'm the recess monitor, I'm making sure they don't fall off the jungle bars too hard or something like that. Oh, before I forget, shut up, Tim. Okay. Oh, okay. Make sure we, we get that out what? of the way. <laughs> He's not um, here, but I wanted to make sure that so, I mean, Tim listens. We tangent at this point, fierce. Tim goes. Uh, any other questions you wanted? To... Why are they picking on the new guy, newbie? Proby, Proby, Proby. Get so, it right, uh, FNG. So, any other drinking. questions along this tangent line of LARP discussion? No. Yeah, I need the mic back. Um, no, uh, just uh, it, how do you how do you feel that? Because we've been talking about kind of story driven games. How do you feel the different uh, like? people react differently to their characters. Do you see like a big difference? Do they take more initiative when they are at the tabletop type sessions or versus uh, in real life? Um, do you feel people who are maybe not so driven towards combat in like the actual recess, smashy outdoor sessions? You have to mention recess. I know. It's, I'm sorry. That's totally what it reminds me of. Like every single time I'm like, no, put the sticks away. Stop it. You're, you're actually not too far off. No, I know. Yeah. And that's why like, it's exactly what I do a lot. Um, but, uh, versus like how are, are, do you find, I guess my question is, are, do you find more players are, or some players are more comfortable with the tabletop as they're being introduced to the LARP and then, or that they're interested in the LARP right away. I'm just going to let you talk cause I'm not really making sense. Go. 
yeah. Trying to figure out what you're trying to ask. Because, I mean, as far as, like, participating in the actual combat part, I mean, if someone is a character who doesn't normally do combat, then odds are if at the tabletop, they're more likely to get just tossed into it accidentally because, you know, you're there, I'm throwing the creatures at you, you can't get away from it. Whereas at a LARP, when the players usually outnumber the NPCs at least three to one, um, <laughs> if not more, then yeah, you can hide in the back and not avoid the fight if you really want to because I'll, I'll try to find you, but I can't always do so. Um, I'm trying to, because th- you went a little about <laughs> the question. I, 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 have, I have a bit on that because uh, Mary's been in AOKP for years and uh well she, she does not she, she doesn't enjoy fighting she does i mean she has done so in the past but it's not her favorite part of larp one of her favorite parts about pillars of salt is that it's not a boffer larp she enjoys the theater style style larp now you put dice in front of her and a character sheet and she will beat the snot out of whatever it is that's going on but she is not a physical person Mm. And so she physically has complications with uh, with actual combat. I'm a more physical person. I really enjoy boffer combat. I also enjoy throwing di- throwing down dice and beating the snot out of an orc. Virtually speaking, yeah, that, that's actually a really good point because one of the I don't want to say call it a drawback, but the aspect of a bot live combat boffer LARP is that if you want to be a good swordsman, yeah, you can buy the skills and the stats with your your character points to have things, but in the end, real world skills going to help you a lot more than just having oh, yeah. a couple of extra defenses. And so there there are people who are that good with a boffer sword that they don't need to get a whole lot of stats; they can spend their points elsewhere because they're hard to hit because they're just that damn good. Um, so that, that that's actually a really good point, that people who may avoid combat because they're just not that good at combat will be more likely to jump into it in a tabletop board is more just what dice do I roll. But is that fair? It's... The real world? It is it is the real world. I will say that it is... Well, yeah. I mean, I will, I'm not I, saying it is I will say that it is, it is equal, but it is not equitable. Okay. I mean, mean I mean, it, mean it is that? the style, so if you know you're coming into a boffer LARP, so there are people who will have fighter practices sometimes during, you know, uh, during the week at a park, and just, let's just hang out and practice fighting with boffer swords so that we can get better. Sure. And some people will choose to only play like caster types, so instead of swinging a sword, they just throw packets from the back lines, or yeah. will avoid making combat characters. And you're right, that means that if someone just can't physically handle the combat, then they they should not build a combat style character yeah. for our game. But we try to have other things. We have magic. We have uh, like so. For instance, tomorrow uh, we have another Dying Kingdoms event that will be the court game. So um, this is setting wise taking place in like the the high court of the Regent of the Illumin Empire. Um, there shouldn't be any sword fighting because there are quote unquote guards around. This is a chance for people who make more political build characters to then now get in there and negotiate and be like world leaders style uh, thing. So we try to cover the different aspects of what what is it your character wants to do, and we try to incorporate that aspect into our games and at campers too. Sometimes, like I know this, Aaron said out there in the audience at one point, um, uh, her character has recently become relatively a political power in the land of Colbaron, and there's been <laughs> there's been a couple games in there where she didn't do a lot of actual fighting at the game. No, she ran around and told other people what to do the whole damn weekend. <laughs> yeah, and that's a perfectly valid strategy. Sometimes that sounds really fun. What? Telling other people Walking what to do. Walking around and telling people what to do. Yeah. Isn't that just called being a teacher? I think right. we're starting to see a pattern. Uh, I thought Just, that was called growing up Kimmy. <laughs> right. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I meant, isn't that Here being a vice comes principal? growing up Kimmy. <laughs> but with less re- paperwork? There's a reason I chose this career path. No. <laughs> yes, there's lots of paperwork. <laughs> I did the less. sassy move. 
We have seven days, guys. Seven days till summer starts. Let's hang in there. Seven All right. days. All right. Thank you so much, Ed. That was actually that was very, very interesting. I've never really thought about the comparison. Like I've talked about LARPs, talked about RPGs. I've never talked about like the comparison and the combining of those things. So that's actually very interesting. DK so is a lot of fun. If people are interested, they should contact. Uh, well, Dying Kingdoms, we have a Facebook page. Um, you can also uh, contact us through the through Meetup. We're on Meetup, which is where we put all our uh, events are scheduled. Um, and then uh, Dying Kingdom, no, it's dkplot at gmail.com is the uh, the plot email. Um, you can find us on Facebook. Hmm? Oh, yeah, it is also an 18 and up LARP because it keeps the insurance rates down uh, is, is, is the main reason. Um um, and, then, and, then they, and then here's a little note. If you want to check out a live combat style LARP, we recommend you come and be uh, what's known as an NPC uh, or a cast character um, because we do need people to play the monsters that they fight and the villagers that they rescue and the merchants they haggle with. Um, so that's a great way to, because like, we minimal, like we'll charge for a camper weekend like $50 to come play it because we had to pay for the campsite fee and all that stuff. We'll like minimal charging, maybe $10. Sometimes we'll just comp you if you come NPC for us. So it's a great way to come in. You don't need a costume because you just come in wearing blacks. We have some costuming, generic costuming we give people. We have weapons for you to use. You can try it out without having to commit to the whole, I'm Kimmy, I have to make a glorious outfit for my character that she gets oh, <laughs> to. No, no, she no, will. Get to. <laughs> yeah, she gets to. Uh, so my one question to that is, do I have to wear an orc mask? Okay. No. Right. No, absolutely okay. not. Okay. I can be the pretty orc. I just can put a sticker on my forehead that says orc. Or you might not be an orc. Maybe okay. you're playing a different... Yeah. I, I've, like currently the issue are, are Sauron, which are lizard people. The Amazon princess with a really cool outfit. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just kidding. I'm just kidding. Considering, right. ki- considering Kimmy can bench press me. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is not true. But I could probably dead. I definitely could deadlift, deadlift you. Yeah. I might be able to back squat you. Okay. So, all right. That sounds hot. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? All right. <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Right. Yeah. All right. So, all right. Next game. I've lost track of what day we're on. Uh, uh, we were today? talking about Saturday. Today, Saturday, games. today, today's excellent. Games. Yeah. So today's game, Saturday. Cleared through them. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. No. I'm running a game tomorrow. What you running? I am running a. I, I have. I have. I've decided that I am a little burnt out on Vampire. <laughs> I know it's, that's that that well, and nice. and that's that's that's, 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 that's an absolute lie. It's an absolute lie because I'm currently playing in three Vampire in the Masquerade. Tabletop campaigns. So, <laughs> All right, so you have are you reason, winning? Reason have, to be so burned I'm, out. I'm 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 taking a break from running vampires. What I should say. So I am, but I can't leave the D10s at home. So I'm running wild talents. Yay! And Sorry, that was super exciting. Sorry. Yeah. Wait a minute. We need we need the stew movement. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. So I yeah I'm running wild talents tomorrow. It is uh, a one shot that I used to kick off the campaign that I'm running at home. Um, so uh, pre-gen characters and how can people sign up for the game that you're running at home they would need to (laughs) go out to sign up on the sheets for for the game sign up that is out there uh, that Jim has so carefully set out why that would be Jim Sandoval that would be Jim Sandoval who just walked into the room yeah exactly right no I'm wanting to know exactly how we get to your home no, 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 <laughs> that no. <laughs> for the campaign, the campaign already is full. So uh, <laughs> I meant for the one shot that I'm running tomorrow, oh, the con game. That, yeah, I, right, I, right, I, right. I, I, I used this one shot. I used this con game setup as the one, as a one shot to introduce my campaign players to 
wild talents because they are unfamiliar with the system entirely. So, um, you know, the Yahtzee dice mechanic and... Um, Yahtzee. Yahtzee mechanic, yeah, exactly. That's actually, yeah. It's a really good way of describing it. You're it looking is. for pairs, That's three annoying. of a kind, full house, whatever, you know. You're looking for matched <laughs> sets. <laughs> So, but it's amazing. It is. It's, it's great. Not it's not like freaking the fun. game your grandma used to play. No, my grandma never played, but yeah. Yahtzee, I mean. Yahtzee. <laughs> oh, it, it, she, no, she played Yahtzee. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All grandmas <laughs> played Yahtzee, I think. So, um, but it, it, so it's comic book superheroes, um, and uh, it, it, it should be a hell of a lot of fun. I've created some very cool characters in a world setting that I've written from scratch. Um, that uh, one of the line items that I put into the world setting description was uh, because this takes place in what we think of as the real world, um, uh, Disney and Warner Brothers zealously prosecute any violations of their existing intellectual property. So if you are if you suddenly find that you have superpowers and you want to call yourself Spider Man. Warner Brothers or no, Disney is going to crack down on that shit, and their lawyers are going to be all over you if you want to. I think so you actually have to be Fox. Um, Disney owns Marvel, so Dis- not. I'm not talking about the the movies. They own Marvel comics. I know. I'm just so, being a dick. Yeah. Continue. So their lawyers will come after you, and <laughs> Warner Brothers will come after you if you decide that you want to be called Batman. But one of my characters for tomorrow's game has actual bat-like powers. She can fly, she has really amazing hearing, and she is a detective, and she's from Romania. So I took the Romanian word liliacul, which means bat. That Fuck you, man. So I can never <laughs> Batman. That's so pretty. I like that name. Liliacule. Liliacule, yeah. It's the Romanian word for bat. Jim, my, so. next, my next con badge needs to say Batman. <laughs> I am Batman. I was going with no, that's yeah. also taken. The, the tick. The tick is right, exactly. So I had to, you know, I just had to look it up. And I have another character who's basically a multiple man clone called Duplicato. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, so it, it, does he wear a luchador mask? Yes, uh, he, there's nothing that says he can't. Because <laughs> if he's not wearing a luchador mask, fuck you. Yeah. I did not That's for the first for the first time in a long while. I did not actually come up with the look of the characters. The players come up with the look of their characters based on the description. Is that a requirement? Like, like, do you make them like sketch it out? You should. N- I haven't required that yet. Um, I'm saying this as a costume designer. I understand. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but but they give you know descriptions of what they look like so that when they run into each other, I'm say, okay, and you see, and and they then describe Ta-da. themselves. Right? Nice. Yeah, that was that was great. Oh, here, <laughs> yeah. if you notice. Actually, this is going to be made of actual aluminum, and then this part here is steel, and then over here we go into the, like the armor grade leather that's carved with the symbol. Nice. Oh, that's so nice. in oh, in the one shot that I ran that started the campaign slimming. at home, uh, my players all pulled out their phones or their iPads or whatever and looked up their very own uh, 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 celebrity lookalike or sketch or anime character or whatever. It's like it kind of looks like this. Or it looks exactly like this. And Why do you look like Wacko Warner? <laughs> none of them did that, but I, it's not outside the realm of possibility. Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I'm really looking forward to it. it is, the game is called How Many Hostages? Nice. Um, and yeah, they're, they're comic book superheroes. And um, I don't know if anybody in here is currently signed up for it tomorrow. 
Um, I, Mary helped me create a couple of the characters, one of which that we are exceedingly proud of is a septuagenarian Yiddish grandmother named Invincible Grandma, <laughs> who essentially has a fuck ton of light armor and a fuck ton of hard armor, which Kimmy understands because she understands wild talents. Yes. And that's it. Wow. And essentially, she can't be killed. Yeah, she's untouchable. Like, in, 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 a bomb could go off in her face and she, like, her hair wouldn't be must. No, no walker, no walker. But I, 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 I designed this could. time. This time for the the character descriptions, I came up with uh, a, a sort of uh, this character is sort of you, you might think of Tony Stark. You might think of Frank Castle for this character. Whatever for her, it was. You might think of. Um, uh, uh, Betty B. Arthur's character from the Golden Arthur. Girls. Yeah. <laughs> Dorothy Bornack, I think, is her, her yes, character name. Dorothy. Or Edith Bunker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. Nice. So I, I think that one kind of, of ties days. back to one of, the questions, <laughs> one of the questions we kind of were asking earlier. So as a GM, what do you give your players when they sit down at a, like a one-shot con game? Um, I have given my character, my, my players uh, a wide variety of things in the past. Since I've gotten a reputation of running vampire um i get a lot of i tend yeah i have gotten a lot of people who have come back to my games who are familiar with vampire the masquerade and so all i have to put out is the clan symbol and they know approximately what they're getting that's a fabulous idea just using a symbol that's a great idea yeah well i good good artists borrow from other artists great artists steal outright i like to hear more about how you put out you have to talk to my wife about that. Say. <laughs> anyway, so um, so this time, like I said, I just have a list of, you have the character name, you have a very brief description, and a, an inspirational quote. Um, like for Liliacule, for instance, I think it was, uh, it was a Ralph Waldo Emerson quote that was, um, uh, a brave man, uh, uh, the hero is no braver than the ordinary man. He is just braver five minutes longer. And this is the Romanian character? This is the Romanian detective. Quoting Ralph Waldo Emerson? No, it's not necessarily that she's quoting him. It's this, oh, okay. this is a quote that informs the player of what the character is like. Got it. And then also below that, it was sort of a... And then you might think of these other established canonical characters, like, for instance, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, or Catherine Kane, Batwoman. So... For, Those are very different characters. They are very different characters, but they because can Dick both Grayson inform. But they can both inform your decision on how you might want to play the character. Right. No, I agree with you. And I, was, I absolutely did not want to go Bruce Wayne on that one. Yeah. So. No, I totally agree. I'm sorry. I was distracted by Dick Grayson's, Grayson's butt, butt because really, <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Why not? Hey, you know, why don't we talk to the guy who's in charge of RPGs I here? Hey, that sounds like a great idea. Great idea. Can we find him in the in the big throng of audience? Wait, um, tens of wait, thousands ma'am, of people ma'am, could you here. move? Oh, Jim! Yay! <laughs> Thank you for pushing your way through the crowd. <laughs> We're so happy to see you here. Welcome. It's, thank you. It's crawling room only here. Yeah, it's crazy. It's how are you, Doctor Sandoval? Uh, doing well, man. Uh, I'm hoping everybody else is doing well as well. Yeah. yeah. Great. Uh, 
you know, anybody have any opinions on my new binder system that uh, nobody really has been complaining about? Why don't you explain what the new binder system is all about? Mr. The new Dr. binder Sanders. system? I will. Uh, what's going on with the binders is if anybody who's been here knows that there is a binder for every single time slot that holds the sign-up sheets for all the games within that time slot. What I would do is I would put all the binders out on Friday uh, at noon and then, you know, and dealt with the mess of crowds and people wanting to sign up. Um, but well, one of the things that I've been doing during my tenure here is actually collecting metrics on the, of those sign-up sheets, putting them on a spreadsheet and just figuring out certain trends. And I found out there are 34 people that sign up for just about all the, 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 the games, <laughs> the, the desirable games that aren't like, you know, your set groups, groups that like playing together and just like the average game. Um, and these people will come in here, sign up for all the things they want to do, plan their weekend, and then a lot of people sort of get ostracized from participating in, in, in a lot of in a lot of ways. So if you have a Saturday badge and you want to play a role playing game, usually the all, all the all the really good games are signed up for already by Friday night, and there's no chance for them to sign up for anything. Also, I have experienced this. I have had we've had a huge problem with uh, failed games, people not showing up to games, uh, and. Through, once again, the metrics that I've collected, uh, I have found out that people that sign up on Friday for a lot of stuff, if they sign up for a Sunday game, they will not show up some, most of the time for that Sunday game. They'll forget about it, find something else to do. Interesting. Sort of, sort of, sort of. And by uh, really good games, you mean like the Happy Jacks Like games, the Happy Jacks right? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Oh, well, you know, games that, are, that, that, uh, that look interesting or look neat and different. Uh, I, I guess I use my own criteria for what I think are, are, are neat games, but, you know, I, I figure I have a similar mindset to most of our players, so I, I went with that. Um, but in any case, uh, if... The, when you sign up for a game that's coming up in just a few hours or early the next day, the likelihood of you being excited about getting into that game, going to that game, and participating in that game is much higher. So after this con, I'm going to basically just figure out how that worked out and see how many failed games I had at the end of the week and see if it actually changed anything. Um, but... I haven't received a whole lot of negative feedback about the binders. There was some initial grumbling because people like planning their weekend ahead of time. Um, Gamers tend to be planners. They tend to be planners. Uh, and But the way that I see it is if you really want to be dead set on planning, that's what the pre-reg is kind of for. Yeah, if you can sign in in the first If you can sign in, seconds. yeah, it's the Comic-Con craziness of just pressing the button over and over again trying to get into what you want to get into. Uh, but it's a work in progress. I'm just trying to make it as fair to everybody as possible and trying to get as much of the games to go off as well as possible. And there are certain things that I can and can't do about that. Like, I can't track people down that were responsible for failed games and go, you're bad. I, there's nothing I can do like in that. But I can try to arrange things in a way that makes it easier for people to access the games that way. Um, I think it's a very equitable solution. It, it actually yeah, no, works it out really well. I, the one thing that I always worry about with my games, and they almost always fill up so I don't know why I worry about this, is, is my game going to actually go? Because right. do, do, do I have enough people signed up for the game for it to actually run? And I kept going over to the RPG sign-up table and say, can I take a look at this? Oh, wait, of course people haven't signed up for it because you haven't put the binder out right. for people to sign up. It does create a little bit more stress for the GM. That's absolutely true. Um, but the, the thing about it is that usually I find a good game's a good game, and people have been here around here long enough to know which GMs do what. Uh, it's the newer people. It's the newer people that that I want to bring in and give them a 
a broader scope of things to access. Um, and, you know, that's, that's good for the con. It's good for the GMs. It's good for the players. It's good for everybody. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, the, uh, the binders them, the, themselves do come out. There's basically an hour buffer time in between each time slot. So if you're looking at the 2 p.m. time slot, it's a four-hour slot. That ends at 6, and the next time slot doesn't start till 8. So I put out the binders a little bit after 6. So when people come out of a game at 6 o'clock, they can immediately come back over there and check out the next upcoming binder that comes out. So luckily we have that little sort of meal time area buffer between the time slots that give everybody, even if they're in currently in a game, enough time to, to come out and sign up for the game and not feel like just because I'm in a game I'm going to get asked out for the, for the next couple of time slots. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, I also want to go at Strategicon RPG is another thing that I came up with a solution for, for failed games. So if, let's say you're a GM, you, you need four people to run your fate game and you only got two. You can tweet out to that and go, hey, I'm running fate blah, blah, blah. Uh, I need two players, anybody available. And hopefully people will log into, uh, will, will track that, uh, that address and be able to keep track of games that need players. Or if you're looking for a game at a time slot and everything seemed filled up, you can post, hey, I was looking for a game for the 2 p.m. Saturday and everything was filled up. Do we have any open seats? And if Has, you have open seats, you Where has been announced, by the way? Uh, it's, on a, it's actually on every single sign-up sheet. Okay. Every single sign-up sheet has a little sticker that says, do this. Have you had a lot of traffic on that? Uh, not much. Well, this but is the first time you But it's the very first time I'm doing so, it. So, no, I think it's a great idea. I think, I think it's a spectacular idea. Um, and, you know, I think you'll see more traffic on that. Um, right. And I also wanted to, to say that um, there's a, been a huge difference in the website between Oracon oh yes. and this con. It's oh, my God, Huge yes. improvement. Huge yeah, so is, much better. The, people were written about it, and uh, actually, you guys were pivotal in making that happen because we had so many people just write individual emails as congoers going, "Hey, it's a great con. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun, but I had this issue with the website. You know, it, it should it should be modernized. Should be a little better. You could you guys can do better. So the the fact that it was done tactfully for the most part, and the fact that it was basically an outreach program from from the congoers themselves, really sort of motivated the, the powers that that sort of manipulate that into, into improving what their commitment to making it better. He got our fruit basket. <laughs> and we were totally appreciate it. And the brownies. Oh, yeah, yeah. no. I, the, the, when I first logged on to, to, to register for this con, I was like, hey, they changed the website. Hey, it works. Hey, it works really well. Yeah, there's some back-end things that I personally have a problem with that are still being fixed, like uh, the, the badge entry stuff, as poor Dave could see in the horrible misspelling of his name. <laughs> I am the Kurgizia. Kurgizia. Is that a Romanian name? <laughs> Is that Romanian for bat? <laughs> it's Romanian for, you know, flounder. <laughs> it's Romanian for Why flounder? You know, because it was the nickname given to the... Uh, Jim, why not? Jim, my, my only comment on that, and I understand that it's, 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 it, it, it can make your job difficult from the, backs, uh, the, the back end of this to to wade through whatever problems are on the backside of it. But it reminds me of my, my grandfather who would make furniture and say, yeah, it looks great, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it looks great. Yeah, but if you turn the chair upside down and you look here, you can see where I screwed up. Why would you point that out? I think, would I think my main point of over? that is I'd rather there be difficulties for me 
accessing information yeah. because I have all the emails, all the people that I need to talk to to fix the problem if I have a problem, then you guys have it. Jim, problem. I would much <laughs> rather you have difficulty than me. I, I'm glad we're in agreement. <laughs> we've reached a quorum. Everyone agree? <laughs> Uh, but those are the two main changes that I did this convention wide, and uh, so far the feedback I've been getting has been relatively positive. I'm, I'm hoping that the the, uh, the Twitter account will actually uptake and more people take advantage of that. And I'm actually really looking forward to you guys doing this uh, podcast at this con more regularly and and, and 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 tell me about it in time so I don't schedule another game at eight o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> what what other types of game? And, and again, this is really open field and not speaking as a committee member, but what type of games would you like to see more within uh, the strategic kind of conventions? Uh, when I first took over this position, uh, one of my main things was find out the things that annoy you as a con goer and fix them. And uh, try to make as diverse a program of games as I possibly can. Uh, as far as it as smaller indie games, uh, games that like you know game that are venerable old games that don't see a lot of play anymore, like maybe uh, Palladium or uh, Paranoia or something like that. that. Isn't played very much <laughs> well, actually, there was a Rifts game run in the ballroom yeah. this week, yeah, so yeah. we had a Palladium game. Well, no accounting well, for taste. Yeah. Whoa. Well, I hate tunnels and trolls. <laughs> no, seriously, I'd I'd rather get fingered by a fat guy in a steam closet than play freaking tunnels and trolls. I swear to God. <laughs> There are some games that really appear to me like two pounds of freaking scrapple on a dead raccoon. I swear, and and you I hear that, Tim. You hear that, Tim? Tunnels and trolls. Tim, do you want to know what? It's how I feel. And if somebody else has fun playing those oh, yeah. games, Tim. it's my responsibility that they, to, to make sure that they have everything they need to to, to have fun with that game. Except right. Tim. Except for Tim. Except for talking Proby. Yeah. Uh, but and uh, a newbie. So. The, I just want to see a lot of different types of games, and that's why I'm really excited to have people like David here that introduce new games, people like Stephanie Bryant, people like you, Jib. Uh, actually, all you Happy Jacks guys you're, you're, who are immensely creative, um, and Stu for running uh, his game as well. I love, I love seeing play tests. I love seeing betas. I love seeing that kind of stuff, and I like seeing sort of uh, smaller format games that that – when I first started working at this con, I worked for a group called Special Projects, and our goal was to uh, to run games that you can only really see at a convention. Yeah. Okay. Things that are of large scale or things that require a, a kind of investment most people can't do in their garage. Uh, because I figured that's why you go to a con. You go to a con not only to enjoy yourself, but to see things that you probably wouldn't see in your own game group. So I brought that theory over here, over to role playing as well, as and and wanted to just basically have a whole lot of things that you, if your game group plays a lot of D and D, how about here's a whole different lot of things for you to try. Does your group play a lot of you know Shadowrun? You know, here's a cyberpunk game, but it's apocalypse world based, and it's going to blow your mind how this kind of engine works. Uh, and so many people that. I see it in miniatures, I see it here, uh, that are completely new to role-playing or, com- or, or just follow one very specific genre of role-playing, and they come in and they try something new, and it totally opens them up to a, a new realm of, of thinking when it comes to how games work. I, I, will, I will encourage my wife, who is working on a game system from the ground up, to, uh, to actually get into gear and, and, and write that up so that it, I'm sure it won't be ready by September. And I think she's working that weekend. But hopefully <laughs> by next February. <laughs> for, hopefully by next February, maybe. Just get maybe, drunk and maybe. doodle some shit. Go That's what this guy does. <laughs> I'm totally going to commit her now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'll, I'll totally commit her now. She's not here. You know, she's off being a vampire right now. So, um, 
Yeah, I'll, I'll totally commit that that she will absolutely run a play test of her of her brand new game system at next February, probably. <laughs> it's a game about Jewish piranhas. That Assuming that I'm still married by that point. <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty much all I had to share. Unless anybody has any You'll questions for me. This podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, this is not really a question. But it, again, everybody, here, both of our audience, groups of audience members, can say that I always am very thankful for what you do as a uh, member of the St- uh, Strategic Con Committee to be very open to new games and to new game publishers and creators. And as I was saying before, we always consider. Uh, strategic on to be home base and that's one of the reasons why I like trying out new games here not just because it's uh, familiar faces but also that it's receptive people who want to see something new and are willing to be constructed I am constantly constantly impressed by our player base we you we draw a great player base to this con and um, and I, I think that between that and the welcoming attitude that you guys on the staff give us uh, gives those of us who are designing games and creating games gives us a, a welcoming place to bring our ideas and and throw them out there and see what happens yeah absolutely I, I you know I was actually texting with Sue about this earlier today um, about how long we've been coming to these cons now and I think we figured out it was 2008 or 2009 when we started doing like the Happy Jacks panels at these conventions and he it was, was back quite at the sure Radisson when whenever Strategicon was last long, at the yeah, Radisson yeah whenever that was that it was, was a while ago one. yeah and it, it just we've always been impressed yeah, yeah, yeah. So we think it was like 2008, possibly 2009, we're not sure. But um, like we've always been so impressed and so thankful that you guys, because I, I go to a lot of conventions of all different types, and you guys are always so um, mindful of your fan base and like listening to feedback and really responding well and thoughtfully to it. Not just like crazy random decisions, but like, okay, how can we really Why make this better? Why are you looking at me when you say crazy random <laughs> It was the whole panel, actually. <laughs> You're all kind of in a row, so it was sort of like crazy, crazy, crazy. Crazy, All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, but just, you know, we've always, and we, we just always enjoy ourselves and we're really thankful for that. And you guys work really hard to make that happen and we know that and appreciate it. Uh, well, uh, we appreciate that back. And I think that really it's what it is. It's that it's gamers running a convention for gamers. And that's really what it is. It's everybody that runs a department loves the hobby that they, that they promote. So when uh, that's what really sort of, uh, translates that feeling to, to the Congors because really we're just Congors with more responsibilities <laughs> right. because we enjoy this con as much as you guys do. Right. Uh, so, but with that, I got to get back to what I was doing. <laughs> Actually, um, how much timing? What do you want to do? We're, we're good. We can end. Thank you so much for stopping by. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> and I think that is the end of the, the games that have been run by Habitex people at this convention. We'll be back at the next con in September. September. Labor Day weekend. That yeah. will be Gateway 2016. Gateway. And that's Kurt, usually the... Your, your wife's going to bring your game, right? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't even think she's going to be here for that one. I think she's working that weekend. So. Oh. Go ahead and Gateway, right yeah, Gateway is generally the largest convention of the year. Oh, Second I think Orcon's a big one. Okay. Yeah. Um, February Con, May Con, September Con. September Con is, is number two in yeah. terms of yeah. It generally has a lot population. of Happy Jacks games, though, like that. So if you are interested in playing with us here in L.A., not like that, then please... <laughs> 
then please feel free to stop by, register for our games, and yeah, we'd love to see you. So thank you very much. Uh, my name is Kimmy. My name's Dave77. I'm Jib. And this is Kurt, and this is a live, live studio, studio audience. audience. Thank you very much. And happy Jackson. <laughs> so we're <We're> happy <laughs> listeners of Happy Jack's RPG podcast. We get all our game news from douchebags galore with reckless abandon. As always, you can find us at happyjacks.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Happy Jack's RPG. We're also on Facebook. Thank you for joining us for Happy Jack's RPG podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Well, not beer. We don't have beer right now. I'm actually very sad about that. Okay, we're going to find beer. Bye. Thanks for joining us. Two thousand feet below, I heard the tunnel trusses go, and the timbers creaked and sagged overhead. Like the worst nightmarish dream, I saw the darkest, blackest scene, and I knew then that soon I would be dead. People think me suicidal, but the boss man has a bridle, and he holds it with a grip, both cruel and rough. For me children and me wife, I risk my lungs, my soul, my life. For the boss man, he pays me just enough. Keep your pity to yourself, bask in your mega watch of wealth. Think nothing of the blood that feeds our wives. See me right there on the news, enduring endless interviews. While I wait here for the good air to expire. Oh, my labor burns a fire, sending power down that wire. So that you and yours in comfort won't complain. While the smoke it billows black from those tall satanic stacks While I work here in conditions inhumane But it's you who's cruel and mean with your gigantic plasma screen Your conspicuous consumption drives me here Behind your picket fence as your porch light burns intense You know nothing of our plight, our pain, our fear Keep your pity to yourself, bask in your megawatts of wealth. Think nothing of the blood that feeds our wives. See me right there on the news, enduring endless interviews. While I wait here for the good air to They cry that something must be done For the poor old souls to keep us safe and well Overhead in private jets They ain't done nothing for us yet As we toil in a black and sooty hell I hear workers overhead Trying to reach us for we're dead But those poor old souls more widows may create 
And they worked through night and day to find the air gap where we lay So our families will have something to cremate Keep your pity to yourself, bask in your megawatts of wealth Think nothing of the blood that feeds our wine See me right there on the news, enduring endless interviews Why we here for the good air to expire Keep your pity to yourself, bask in your megawatts of wealth Think nothing of the blood that feeds our wine See me right there on the news, enduring endless interviews While I wait here for the good air to expire Seating program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.